0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations. I am your host, Ivan Lozano. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns, and this season is a partnership between Archives and Futures and the DePaul Art Museum. We're calling it the Latinx American Podcast in honor of their exhibition, Latinx American, on view from January 7th through August 15, 2021. The exhibition features 38 Latinx artists from Chicago and beyond, 10 of which we will be interviewing for this second season of the pod. The DePaul Art Museum's Latinx American exhibition and its accompanying programs like this one are provided through the generous support of the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts Learn more about the exhibition and upcoming events at artmuseum.depaul.edu. And please share, subscribe, and rate this podcast so we can reach a larger audience. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's get right into the interview with Alejandro jimenez Flores, which happened over Zoom on December 7, 2020. Enjoy.
1: Uh, my name is Alejandro Jimenez Flores, uh, I'm a conceptual artist uh, living in Chicago. Um, I was born in Mexico, and I've been here for about 17 years.
0: Nice. What was it like moving from um, from the other side of Lake Chapala, uh, and remind me what the town is called? It's Jamai.
1: Ha- what
0: was it like yeah. coming from Jamai to Chicago?
1: Um, It was a funny process, actually. Um, When I was, I don't know, years, like I just know grades somehow. Uh, When I was in fourth grade, um, that's when my family started immigrating to the U.S. Um, So at first, it was uh, my parents uh, and a brother, and another brother was already here. Uh, And then Salvador and my sister and I stayed in Mexico, um, so we were living with with our aunts. Or um, for I was there for two years, but my brother and my sister like shortly, like maybe half a year and then one year. So. So yeah, so I was just kind of like living with my aunts uh, for two years while the paperwork got processed. Uh, there was like some issues. Uh, and eventually once I was in eighth grade uh, that's when I arrived to the U.S. It was it was definitely a funny experience Uh, a funny thing I like I like remember when I was in Mexico my last three years there I I listened to a lot of or like watched a lot of MTV you know when it was like actually music so I was like trying to pick up the English language so I was like watching movies and like listening to a lot of music in English. And when I arrived here to Chicago that switch and then I started listening to music in Spanish and to uh, also eventually like uh, watch movies that were made from like Latin America. So that was like a funny switch that happened for me. Um, on transitioning, um, and yeah, like just going to 8th grade and through most of high school, I was in a ESL program, like learning. What kind of music living. were you listening to? Jeez, uh, uh, my favorite band in 4th grade was Limp Biscuit.
0: Nice. Like, I don't know what the word is <laughs> you That's know? a very specific English, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> uh, I remember one time watching like MTV Crib, and like, it was like Fred Durst. <laughs> and like he was eating a watermelon, and he's like, I love watermelon, and then, like, my brain was, like, I associated watermelons as, like, just being from Mexico, and then I was uh-huh. like, whoa, Fred Durst likes watermelon. He's so cool. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it. I totally had a crush on Fred Durst growing up, you know? I I was
0: like, who is this man? So, I I can understand. Uh,
1: I like that he directed the band's music videos, and mm. I was actually uh, in, interested in music videos, and, like, I like, I want, one time, I don't know how I came across this information or I didn't Google it because it wasn't back then, but like, I was like, how many dollars do you need to produce a music video? <laughs> so I wanted to be something I wanted to do at some point. <laughs> I love that.
0: I mean, so. I, I, I have to, I have to add that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, music video culture, I think for people you're younger than me, but like people have like our general conversation that did grow up when music videos were a big thing. It's definitely like this big point where we sort of started thinking about aesthetics and started thinking about colors and shapes and and textures and time and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, So yeah, I can definitely relate to that. You know, One of the reasons I wanted to go originally into like film was because of music videos. That's what I wanted to do. So I get it completely. Um, What were you listening? What were the Mexican or the Spanish uh, language music you were listening to when you got to Chicago?
1: Um, Jeez. there's classics like I remember my first CD my sister bought me, like an actual original CD, not the Piratas from the Tiananmen. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, was La Ley, La nice. Ley or Ley? La Ley, yeah, was,
0: Chilenos, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was good. Um, I remember listening to what's the other one? Juanes was really Juanes. blowing up when, when I first came here. Um, and then just kind of like the fun part too, was like just listening to Bachata and like other things that I hadn't listened in Mexico or like that I hadn't been exposed to. Um, so yeah, Ricardo Arjona was a good one too.
0: Arjona, yeah, that's a, oh my God, all the girls in my high school were obsessed with him. And then you went to, you said you went to like an arts high school here in Chicago. How did you land there? Was that something that like your parents wanted you to be in or was it just what was in the neighborhood um, or what was that process like?
1: It was the like, the high school is Curie High School. Um, I feel like my my brother Salvador went there, my brother Oscar too. Um, and then, but when they started going there, like that was the school they would go. But we, by the time I got to go to high school, we lived in a different place. And it was like something they had to like, like write a letter to the, Principal or something. I don't remember the process, uh, but um, but yeah, it was something that my my parents kind of like had to do some like work for me to do go in there. Um, and actually, like when I was applying, I guess, or doing the paperwork, I was in between doing dance or art. <laughs> nice. What um, made you pick art? So, so yeah, there. that was a good. Um, well, I. I I actually used some of Salvador's work. They <laughs> 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 saw that I was like, so they they saw that I had potential, uh, and so that was a more of a sure thing to go for. Nice. I, I didn't have any dance documentation or movement <laughs> experience <laughs> before, so that's actually no one knows that. But
0: <laughs> we this is nobody's gonna hear this. so what was that like when you got there and suddenly you know um you started being exposed to to um art and techniques i hear you gravitated towards photography what drew you to that
1: um i think what what drew me to that was that it was i started doing art through after school matters Mm -hmm. i was in the art program but um sometimes with like being a yesl like I think there was a few classes of art that I didn't take because I had to like take language classes. Um, so mainly because it was like after school, and that was the program that was offered there, um, and it was like really easy to pick up, like you just, like learn how to load the film and like exposure um, um, so that was really fun to do and and I did that through after school. Uh, for two years and so that would be after school but during the day I would have like painting classes so nice uh, it was always kind of like back and forth at the beginning
0: (laughs) and then what happened in your head that was like okay I get this this is what I want to do this is how I feel sort of like comfortable that then led you to apply to art school at UIC
1: um I was lucky that my brother Salvador did some of the lifting in that Uh, But Salvador went to college for graphic design, Uh, and and then he eventually did a a master's, I I think, in ceramics or drawing. Um, The the way I put it or laid it out to my parents was that I was going to go for art education, which I initially did. (laughs) And I was like, so they were like, oh, so it's like Salvador, but like, I'm not going to be designing things, but like, I want to teach, but... So that's how like I framed it, and they were um, they were supportive of it. Nice. Uh, so I was lucky. I was lucky to have um, that aspect be uh, not an obstacle. Um, so so yeah, I, I, I would say I was I was lucky to have at my nice school like after school programs. Uh, I was also involved in Gallery Thirty Seven. So nice. Um, so yeah, so it, I don't know if like, I feel like I have like, a, I have like a moment that I was like, this is it. I'm gonna be like an artist. So you just, you just kind of like came natural. Like it was just like something that I like doing, but there's always this kind of like, I don't know, a creative impulse to make.
0: I mean, I, I think I mentioned that earlier. I went into like like film. So my thing for me, because it was also because of like an after school program. But my thing was like I wanted to like make music videos and I wanted to make experimental films. And I was lucky enough to have like an after school like like um, film professor. You know, we would make like little movies on VHS and everything. But she showed me, you know, the films of Maya Darren and Stan Brakhage and that when I was Ooh, in high nice. school like, blew my fucking mind. So that's what I wanted to do. You know, so for me like. like I always was like doodling and like making collages and stuff but art in itself or like as like I don't like a pure discipline didn't really feel like a possibility until I sort of saw so like family members that were sort of like dabbling in it or or trying it Mm -hmm. out um so I can definitely relate to that when you went into art education was it as a way to sort of like frame being involved in art or was that just sort of like how you thought you would get through uh like passing, like uh, getting your parents to like approve it?
1: <laughs> oh, um, it was, um, it was something that I was interested in doing. Like, I guess like right after graduating high school and just having that experience of having like our teachers there, you know, and like uh, how important that was for me and to be able to have the arts there. Um, so I guess it was like, kind of like I knew I guess then I I knew through that that I wanted to uh, dedicate my life to art, or uh, and like help either help other people either be up by teaching or or like or like by making, um, and it was just like art education seemed like back then I was like oh then I'll have a job like teaching and like I liked I like pat- handing down knowledge so. Oh,
0: who were some of the people that were your professors or your colleagues also when you were in um, at UIC that you feel really kind of marked your experience or how you think about art?
1: Um, Is there anybody that jumps out to you? I feel like people that jump out. Uh, Diana Fred. I took a, a several classes with Diana. Um, I learned a lot from those classes, uh, but. Sometimes I was a bad student, I was
0: like, <laughs> ah. uh,
1: That was like a little bit of that happened through through school, like I, I was like, I used to be like get straight A's and like, but then I just kind of like in art classes, I would like bend the rules of the assignment so that I could do whatever, or like what I want, was interested in. So that sometimes they didn't, uh, they didn't vibe well with teachers yeah Uh, another another person that was like really influenced two people that were influential i guess um ben russell was there nice uh, when i was going so i took a seminar class and then two other video classes um and the seminar class kind of really was influential because uh it was like a very difficult class like he just threw like a bunch of theory to us and and that's that was my introduction to theory and like engaging with it and like reading and understanding. So that that was influential and um, Deborah Stratman too. Um, I mean, those here are some really classes.
0: kind of incredible names.
1: Yeah, it's funny because like when I was in school and at UIC, I I try to do as many classes uh, on the moving image department. So I took as many classes as I could under film and video um so i've always had like a dual practice of painting and photo or like video and like painting and sculpture
0: did they try to push you into one specific area i'm kind of assuming probably not based on like the number of the people you mentioned but um did you feel like you um had to...
1: technically like credit hours needed to have certain credit hours of and like I was studio arts, uh, so I just took as many classes as I could on the movie image. Nice.
0: That's also like puts us in. That's like a good segue to talk about like your curatorial projects after you left UIC mm-hmm. with Perros, um, whose website is still up. Uh, but you know, I think you know when I moved to Chicago originally, and I moved here in 20, 2009, um, So Ben Russell at that point had his gallery. So I've always sort of like associated like when I got to Chicago, there were so many apartment galleries. It was like one of those moments that, you know, in the sort of the cycle of Chicago where there was like a boom <laughs> and everybody, there was like a, an apartment gallery in like every other block almost. But Ben Russell <laughs> was definitely one of the people that had been
1: sort of working with that, with his gallery. Had
0: you considered sort of curatorial practice or like apartment galleries or when did that idea first come for you?
1: More so in my last two years at UIC, uh, you know, I was part of the um, student run gallery. Like it was called GVU back then, and at some point too, like Ben was one of the advisors for that. Um, and actually, going to that apartment gallery might be might have been the first apartment gallery that I experienced that I had. So it was something that I started doing um, more actively in the last two years. And on my last year of UIC, uh, again, Ben Russell sent an email. Just forwarding that Donna was looking for interns so i sent in an application uh, an email to Adstana uh, and became an intern when i while i was still in school um, after doing my year internship um i i talked to them and i was like i've learned anything everything i, I can do as an intern i can like get more involved and like be part of like your curatorial process or or just say goodbye. So I, so they, so then I became part of Adzona Collective nice. and gallery. So, um, so while that was happening, I also did those projects with my friend Nathan. Um, and then I had no time <laughs> to do my practice. Yeah, but but the, the biggest takeaway was just kind of like crafting. Uh, ideas and thinking about concepts through other people's work. And my goal or impulse was to always like provide the best framework and to allow the works to speak for themselves and like create dialogues, you know? So, so that's, that's what I got out of curating and then just had to develop that big uh, um, desire for having my own practice. So then I had to step out of the step aside from curating.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I can relate to that. I, you know, I also when I was living, I lived in Austin before moving to Chicago and I was involved with a couple of like small or nonprofit galleries. There was one mass gallery that's still around. But also I worked with like a film festival and you know, I I love that like DIY model. And I felt that it was so important for me to gain my own confidence as like an artist and a thinker and just as somebody that was part of like the arts ecosystem. By these opportunities to like intern or sort of have some sort of like mm-hmm. say or participate in you know sort of like the the way that um, that 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 art ends up in front of people's faces. So I you know I can I can definitely relate to that. And yeah, it's a real struggle when you're doing that and then suddenly you realize like I don't have time to do what I really mm-hmm. wanted to do. That for me was a really stressful moment. Sort of seeing like do I have to like really leave one of these things behind to like focus on like what I originally wanted to do. What was, it? was that difficult for you to sort of uh, put that get the, you know that and and you know and especially when it's something that you like you've started yourself you know mm-hmm. uh, there's this sort of like this feeling of like a death in the family almost when like one of these projects ends or like you sort of like step away um, to focus on other areas. What was that like for you when you stopped focusing as much on, on other people's work and focus more on your own?
1: Um, I guess it just like. I just got really excited thinking about concepts and just wanted to develop my own my own language. And like, um, that was kind of like, um, like, I like creating the concepts and trying to translate them through exhibitions with other people's work, you know, like that's what you pretty much are doing. Uh, but then, yeah then I just kind of wanted to create my own language without using other people's work but I feel like it's still like I still think as a curator all the time like it's something I can't switch off
0: nice Um, for me that was an interesting sort of point because one of the things that came out of that is like originally when I started making my own work I didn't I didn't want my own work to be judged based on the sort of the curatorial or the the programmatic because I was mostly involved in experimental film back then I didn't want my work to be judged on the way that I was doing other curation or I did I felt like mm-hmm. wrongly I see now, but in my head there was like that noise about it. So when I first started making my own work I started with like a pseudonym. And then later on, I sort of switched it into like, I, I thought about like an avatar for my work. So like when I make my own work and this is, you know I get asked, asked this question often. I always, always insist on like my last name being uppercase um, mm-hmm. because for me that's, that's, the, that's the art avatar for myself. And it was a way for me to sort of like distance myself from the things that I was doing otherwise, and to sort of gain some sort of like freedom in my own making because I think I got too much in my head, to to you know to sort of like make the moves I wanted to make in my own work. So, for me, having that avatar was super important. Now I know that that's that's something that I share with you. That idea of like mm-hmm. the other character, or the other sort of like in your in your case, you you use the word per, you know, the term persona um, when thinking about yeah. that. So. When did those persona come about? Can we talk about that? I'm I'm really curious.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I guess it came around the same time when I was curating. Uh, I was like reading Gilles uh and Watari book What Is Philosophy, uh-huh. uh, and there they they speak of uh, Socrates and Plato. And how um, how Socrates only existed through Plato's writing, but like how maybe that kind of like becomes this like necessary framework for Plato to get at certain things that he couldn't get with his own writing, or at least that's how maybe I misunderstand it. That's a usually a thing that I do often. Uh, so that's where I I saw the they labeled. Socrates, or maybe even other figure, a conceptual persona, and it is this thing that um, I like to use that term, and it comes from there. But it's this thing that it's a framework, and it's also like a external thing. It's not just like a persona or an alter ego, but it becomes this like open dialogue with the this uh, other, Um, and that it like that for me using the uh, conceptual persona, it like it It can be activated by other people too, uh, or you can be engaged by other people. so so that's for me um, where um, even like curation, um, I'll go back to the beginning of like why I started using that term, but like now when i whenever I do works through Florencio, who's uh, the conceptual persona, I, um, I it often involves like collaborating with others so, so there's still this like curatorial impulse of like getting uh like making the framework and engaging with others and kind of creating this like space to create language um so that's always been the impulse and why like like you were saying like you've seen this kind of like uh you, you use the word avatar like kind of like helps you get this distance to like create the language that yeah. maybe you can do like when you are like putting your first name in there, or like you know. For me, like at first, maybe I guess like at first it was also very personal. And at first, uh, this conceptual persona didn't have the name Florencio. Uh, that had started happening at first. It was just named, and I like to use the word channel. Like if I was if I was channeling this persona um, to make a piece. Um, the title in the title, there would be like their name would just be kind of like misspelled words that were about past. So like was, uh, or like so they always kind of like was playing with like time uh, within the title. It's like a misspelled time, kind of hinting at like how this conceptual persona like exists in a different dimension and temporality that we exist. Um, so so. At first, it became this kind of um, stage hand that was in the background of my works. Uh, and sometimes it's like you can see, like, if I point out in some paintings certain gestures, kind of like this kind of like claw or hands that are like moving things in the background. So it was this kind of like conversation um, combo. And at the solo show I had at Atsana in the 2017, um, I did include two of those pieces, along with the flower works, but they they were like above thresholds um, because that, that just kind of like felt like um, this conceptual like had been like helping me create this works, right? But um, also had the impulse to like create, do the, the own mark making and like solo pieces, but still was kind of like shy of like how to present or how how they didn't want it to be presented. That's why it was like multiple names misspelled past tense. Um, And it wasn't until I show Lopez that I made a channel to make a painting. And um, it was, it's kind of funny because it was the title was influenced by um, a book by Umberto Eco called Baudolino. Um, I'll go back to the book in a bit if I have time or I feel necessary. But uh, the first chapter, it's just uh, like 10 pages written in like five different languages. And what it is, is Baudolino, who's like someone from the 12th century, erasing someone else's manuscript so they could write their own history. Uh, but um, the thing about Badolino's writing is his mother tongue uh, th- doesn't have a written form, but somehow he also had a talent to like pick up other languages. So that's why it's written in like 10 different languages to whichever word kind of better. And like, if you read it, it's like, uh, you can kind of get it. Um, so. So the first Florencio painting was Florencio's first kind of writing, which is like pointing at the title of the chapter, Valerino's first kind of writing. Um, and that became when when Florencio became Florencio, like the painting is just different different variations of the name um, with different ends, uh, different spellings, and it became the signature Yeah, and like more like active verb and like. Once that happened, uh, Florencio was able to enter and occupy the same space uh, of my paintings.
0: So does Florencio live like beside you or does do they sort of like come out at specific points in time in the creation? How does how does how do they sort of like operate in your process?
1: So at the very beginning it was like more a conversation that uh, it's like having this like intuitive talk with your like like you get an idea, right? um and let's say it's a silly idea so that the big rational voice is like no that's stupid so for, so as a practice that I was trying to uh do within my works uh that we haven't talked much about here the floral pieces uh was to like trying to create space for for that to create create some terms and some language and kind of getting rid of that kind of like oppressive like Constant policing voice, uh, so that's partially how Florenzi was uh, aiding me through that. So it became kind of this practice of um, giving agency to the small voice and like her intuition and like to just like give it space and and in some way too like giving my own agency away as an artist and like just making this works for this conceptual persona. Um, So, so there's those gestures there. Um, It does usually, so it's usually like, it can be brought up by like that kind of dialogue, but um, it's also become like a ritual practice too. Um, For, so for the show at um, the exhibition at Heaven Gallery in 2018, I think, that's the first time that i showed florencio works like on the same level as my works um and like that that felt like a fair thing and like it was even like stated in the like title of the exhibition um and that's where like a lot of the florencio practice like kind of crystallized um, and so when i first submitted the proposal um when I saw the piano, like Florencio wanted to do something with the piano at Heaven Gallery. So there was like, that, that kind of like small idea, like do something with the piano. And then I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and like Florencio wanted to play the piano. And I'm like, uh, how, do, how do you um, facilitate that? How do you facilitate this being that doesn't occupy the same space and time or have a like a fixed body um to play the piano. Um, So so at first I like sketched out like the sculpture that was going to be holding one key. And then realized that Florencia didn't want to become like a static 3D thing. Um, And then I just kept thinking and then I I thought about um this memory I had of going to a show at Julius Caesar, uh, where Matt Morris uh created perfumes based on his siblings and the gallery directors were like wearing them and like, you could go and like smell them and smell this person that like was elsewhere through this perfume like embodied. Um, so I reached out to, uh, so then I had the idea of uh, reaching out to Matt Morris uh, and explain what Florencio was as a framework and to us if he could uh, embody Florencio in perfume form. Um, uh, And then the idea for that was that um, I would go and spray the perfume onto the piano keys, uh, technically putting weight onto the keys and evaporating and lifting weight and also filling the room with music like no one has ever heard before. It's, It's always like starts with that small idea of like, Florence wants to play the piano, and then I had to like orchestrate this uh, collaboration and provide this framework for, um, to provide the language that Matt Morris needed to have and like, or prompts uh, to embody Florencio as perfume.
0: I'm really invested in like the sort of, there it is, there it is.
1: What does it it's smell Florencio. like? What are the notes? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna actually put it on so the interview might change a bit. Perfect,
0: yeah, maybe Florencio will join. Um,
1: So so I guess like I'll explain this. So so now, as soon as the perfume entered into my practice as a, I mean of like bringing in Florencio, um, something I would start doing is if if I were going to the studio and wanted to work on a piece, on a Florencio piece, to channel, I would wear the perfume. And a funny thing with me is that I'm actually really sensitive to perfume. It like gets me anxiety sometimes. And I was talking to someone and they said that that's a, a reaction your brain has sometimes because like you've just been stripped, stripped of your odor, of your body odor, of your identity in smell form. And that that sometimes gets triggered. So I was like, ah. So, so yeah. So then, um, that becomes part of like this ritual of channeling um, Florencio through wearing the perfume or um, another example too.
0: I think that's really fascinating that you use the term channeling and also, uh, there's was another word, um, but you know, a lot of this, what you're mentioning with Florencio, I it reminds me a lot of like shamanistic practice in a lot of ways or also like, I'm very invested in like magical thinking And also like theories Mm -hmm. of magic in different cultures, so um, it's sort of similar to like incense, right? To like bring the spirits or like bring the orishas over. It's like this this kind of like imprinting Mm -hmm. that our brain or this sort of like way that our brain has to operate, where we're sometimes inviting other beings. Whether you know we're not going to get into like is it real or not, because in the end it doesn't matter. I'm more interested in like the sort Mm -hmm. of the phenomenological side of all this and how this can be like productive or creative and just sort of like helpful, you know, in our everyday lives. So. I think that's really fascinating. And, and yeah, I'm happy Florencio is with us.
1: So, um, this is another example. So, Florencio, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Florencio this happened, this is the this is, this series started happening a couple of years ago. Uh, Florencio wanted a pumpkin spice latte. Um, so, <laughs> the, prompt, the prompt here is to go to Starbucks when they have pumpkin spice lattes. I somehow only managed to do it once per year. Um, so for example, I got a sometimes like you know, you get asked to participate in a project. So I had gotten asked to uh, two years ago to participate in a publication where you draw you submit a drawing or a piece to be a stencil for a pumpkin um so I was just like I got invited to that and I was like oh cool and then I'm like well, how do I transfer my work that is very soft like soft pastels and like fading flowers into a pumpkin stencil so I was like I don't know I didn't know if I was like I could do the project so I was like thinking about whether or not I wanted to agree and then like you know Florencia pops up it's like I'll do it (laughs) so so it's always been like oh you want to do it sure, you want this opportunity, I'll give it to you. Uh, So as means to channel Florencio, I went to, this is a a different one. So I went to Starbucks, order the drink under Florencio, then drink this caffeinated sugary drink. And under that kind of influence, um, the sign, the stencils um, that became the submission. And it was just snakes, spelling out P-S-L, C, uh, which kind of stands for uh, pumpkin spice late capitalism, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, made out of snakes. Uh, so, so, so there's always like prompts. Sometimes I carry a channel and carry out the whole piece, or sometimes there's I go through a ritual of whether wearing the perfume or getting under the influence of a caffeinated okay. sugary drink, and through that I just like channel and make the piece. Nice. Um, now
0: what is what is your response?
1: Before before I forget. Sorry, before I forget, you mentioned like the notes of of the perfume. Uh it's changed over the years. The beginning notes, uh it had geranium and wet dirt. Um those were the ones that I remember the most and like a green sharpness. And now it's just like more softer and like warmer. I don't know if I have the language to describe those notes.
0: Well, I mean, Florencio's grown. They've changed. Yeah,
1: I was actually like, I emailed Matt Morris uh, recently. And I was thinking of like, oh, like, perfumes do have a life. Like, you know, they are constantly yeah. changing. And then I was like, I wonder if the perfume is changing. And therefore, Florencio is changing. Or is it more of my relationship? with florencio and wearing the perfume too it's probably
0: both it's probably both yeah and that Uh, leads me to the 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 question i was going to ask um i'm wondering about like your sort of like responsibility towards florencio and just like sort of like ethically maybe or like um mm -hmm. and also just towards like your material something that you that you, you know i read about um some of your flower paintings is that Originally, you were making these paintings based on pictures that you took, but somehow it felt mm-hmm. not responsible to, to the subject, to those flowers, to sort of mm-hmm. like capture them or, to, or to, 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 like you were removing the agency from those flowers or something.
1: Yeah. So what is your seen... like, sense of
0: responsibility towards like your materials or like, or Florencio too, about like their uh, artistic output?
1: Okay. Uh, I'll touch a little bit on the flower works and then move back to Florencio. Um, so yeah, so the beginning, um, when I was trying to develop my my painting practice, um, I was having issues with like doing direct marks on a canvas. Um, I, I would like become hesitant because I was like overly critical of like my identity for some reason at, at that moment. And how maybe just cause that's just like, the default of like what I saw up there. Um, I had this preconceived of idea of like that my identity was gonna be read into those gestures. And then that was creating this hesitation of like by making the gesture, like I was even like imposing that language, like that piece was becoming that. And like I was feeling uneasy of like that process. So I was trying to create a space where I could create more freely without having to be like yeah, in a
0: didactic yeah.
1: with that. that. you're making. Um, so so I started doing the, the transfer pieces. Um, so I started um, doing self transfers into surfaces and that way I was creating like a space. Um, and then I was thinking of like, what to paint as a subject um, because I still like felt like that it's also red, like whatever you paint, it's like read through your identity too. So I was like, after thinking for a while, I was one, one morning when I was at Acre Residency and I think 2015 or 16, I just woke up one morning and decided to go and paint flowers. And like that just became this idea and like, and like it went and like did it and it felt so good. <laughs> um, so that's where the flower, pieces started and like you know like of course working through Florencio was that like that idea came that morning and that I actually allowed it like um that kind of like developing the intuition but also it wasn't it wasn't like I didn't think of it like for a long time like there was like it was like a double-sided um thing where um I was gonna paint flowers but Use flowers like as a standing for myself and like kind of reference to like my name and like that that is, that like that in itself became like enough room for me to like try to feel more comfortable about making work and marks um, so so I went to the studio and like I already had a photo of some flowers that I had taken, so I used that as reference, but even within the first piece i uh, I made the drawing and then I fold it into itself and then it becomes a landscape. And then I, so even within that, there was like a multiple in the very first one. Um, And then I transfer that to the final surface uh, over and over while I rework in the middle. Um, So creating that distance uh, with the transferring but also using flowers as a standing for myself um and approaching flowers um enough or like trying to create this framework to develop their own language That it was maybe something that i was desiring or felt like that i was lacking um so that's why like i was like cool like i'm gonna paint flowers i need to go get like take photos so i can make more paintings So then i went on a walk and then when I was like taking that with the idea of using it as painting, I had the feeling of like, this is the thing that I don't wanna do. This is the thing that I'm trying to avoid. is like being, imposing someone the language of like landscape and still life and photography. Um, and like just like be put in that box and like the singularity of the image. So I stopped taking photos of flowers and my friends would send me photos thinking about me of oh, flowers. That just kind of happened at the same time. So then that became uh, through making this using the flowers, uh, the image of flowers that my friends would send me and the correspondence through that. It was I was kind of like weaving that and like creating a preferred language or like a language that I felt comfortable with. So at first it was very, very kind of like personal and it's just like me taking this flowers, my friends thinking about me through flowers, me creating a preferred language through flowers. Um, so yeah, so that that kind of like building of the process, it's always like a process, but it's always like remains flexible or it's always morphing. Um, so eventually um, I let, um, for the show at at Heaven Gallery, I thought back of like, I'm still using this image, this document, like I'm not taking them, but like my friends are. Uh, So I decided to go back through memory and think about encounters that I had with flowers and like how my, um, yeah, like personal events that I had in my memory of flowers and how, My relationship has been built over time with them. Um, So while I was smelling the perfume that um, Matt Morris created, it had uh, a description of like green sharpness. And that took me back to playing in my aunt's garden uh, with my cousin. And like what we would do is we would like pluck the dry petals and dry leaves. I put them in a bucket with water and dirt, and like make wishcraft.
0: Uh-huh, brujeria, um, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, so it was like, so like through that uh, smell, I went back to to that garden and like to this relationship I had with flowers in some way. And already then, since then, of you know, this kind of like transmutating or like you know transferring them to a different form. Um, so, so that that memory from that memory, I like made a series of geranium soft pastel drawings that I then transferred over multiple surfaces and decided to try to capture that. And um, I wanted to make a sculpture to like try to recreate the the ritual, uh, um, which it turned out to be just I made like a mold for plastic and I just put a piece of fabric and I, I was visiting a family friend and they had a geranium plant in front of their jar so I asked permission to take the dry petals um, so I used those gifted petals put them with the plaster and then the plaster the way it cures it creates heat and humidity and it it made the stain from the, the dyes from the petal like come out and like dyed the fabric. So like, I had left that in the studio and then I go back to the studio after like 24 hours a day or two. And, and then I see this like magic that just happened <laughs> of this like, the flower dyes, like staining the plaster and staining the fabric. And then that getting to that moment of like, through this process, like I allowed for the flower petals to find out different means to express themselves or like you know uh through their own materiality uh, and also there is a temporality within there too like the petals will keep browning eventually yeah. um, it's like so so sorry that trailed off <laughs> no that's totally for, fine uh, but but yeah um while doing that florencia was kind of like in the background kind of aiding those moves and like for example for the memory trip while I was doing that memory trip with the perfume um, there was also this prompt of like um, when was the first time that I that I made in an image of a flower so Florencio was like didn't your mom like teach you how to draw flowers why don't you ask your mom how to to teach you again how did she tell you when you were a kid to draw flowers so I was like yeah, so I Skyped my mom and then we had a drawing session where she taught me again how to draw those flowers. So then Florencio borrows those flowers to create this like painting composition. And then also created some cheap music using those flowers as notes based on Beethoven Fifth Symphony. So then for the exhibition, there was this, uh, the performance where I asked Alma to tell everyone that Florencio was about to perform um, and to clap 20 20 times when Florencio entered the room. Uh, So I exit the room uh, with the perfume in in my pocket and then I walk into the piano and people are clapping in a funny way because they're counting and clapping 22 times and then I just like raise my hands in the piano and like spritz this perfume. And then it just like the AC was right there and like the whole room just oh, wow. got full of this. So it's like, I feel like Florencio's pieces are like sometimes tricky to like separate my practice and Florencio cause like sometimes it's collaborative. Sometimes it's like collaborative between me and Florencio sometimes it's collaborative between me and my mom, for example, and like creating this I I like I I use the word facilitator sometimes because I'm just like facilitating this like impulse of like um, going back to the drawings that my mom would teach me and then like recreating them, like reperforming in, in some way. Um, so so yeah, it always feels like a big orchestra.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just to, that's
1: like, also, please this that's one. Also like
0: that it all sort of like converges. It feels like this like serendipitous or almost like it's meant to be because, you know, when you talk about like Florencio, you also like, your mom is where the Flores in your last name comes from. So like, it's like everything that coalesces around Florencio or around this, this one word or this one term or this one sort of like node and like the the, the sort of the fabric of like, <laughs> of like the universe
1: He so use like a, like a big term, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like Florencio, it's like ancient and like also in the future and the past like at the same time and also like i'd say it's like it's something that doesn't necessarily belong to me like like i read you know when i read umberto eco about like i'm like this is like florencio in the pages like um but yeah i and i it's like it's also like the part of the the collaboration impulse of like reaching out like for example with my mom is to create this framework and space to create this language right it's like about the correspondence it's about like me like actually going and like doing the Skype thing yeah. and then now anytime a family member comes visits from mexico like i get like a color pencil like on white paper drawings that my mom's me Um, So it's about like keeping that correspondence and creating that space. And last summer, um, or two summers ago, like I was talking to my dad and uh, my dad was telling me that my mom was running out of ideas of flowers to send me. He's like, don't tell me, don't, don't tell your mom that I told you, but she told me she's running out of ideas. (laughs) <laughs> of flowers to send you, and she said that she was gonna have to invent new ones. Perfect. And with my yeah, dad, that was yeah. great. So when when my dad said that, like I'm like just like, like that was like one well, of my practice. that a whole aims like create the space to develop your own subjectivity and like language, and then from there like you know stems this. So like the fact that by me just corresponding through with my mom and like sending this. Drawings and talking about them that my mom got to the same space that I was visually, like, you know, uh, with like very simple language. So, like, and I just corresponding. um, That was like what, like, kind of like, why do you say, like, validated this fluency practice? Yeah, like, it clicks. It's like, oh, for instance, they're doing. Yeah. It's about like building the framework and to engage in this kind of like pre-known language that we kind of like shut off that's in many places. And it's about finding a way to kind of activate that in others and facilitate it. And also like when you, sometimes like, it depends on the kind of piece, but like when you reach out to someone, I mean, I think specifically of like, you know, heart of like who I'm gonna reach for like certain things. But when you offer some when you offer someone like a prompt, to do something that they're they're also going to do outside of their practice or just kind of responding to this it becomes like a liberating space for them too sometimes yeah and um and and when things go like really well like with my mom like you're able to share a space where you create this language
0: that's really interesting to me and the use of the idea of language too because i mean the way that you describe for example, what you did with your mom, or the way that you set up these sort of like language structures that then get filled in with content. I mean, in my head, that automatically goes to, you know, one of the definitions of magic with a K, sort of like ritualistic magic, you know, the sort of the the art and science of exerting one's will in a specific way and of having an effect in the world. And I think that's just fascinating how there's this like recurrence or this, this sort of like shamanic or like ancient knowledge, or even just like, you know this might just be like us as humans sort of like imposing a sort of like structure of knowledge on this conversation where it might just be you know it might just be how we're wired and it doesn't really matter but Mm -hmm. there's something really interesting about those things and I think of like for example with the perfume uh, and that as like as a technology of memory it reminds me reminds me of Proust for example and the idea that like yeah perfumes and scents and flowers and color they're these sort of like technologies that we Use as humans to sort of get to like a different, they're like portals in some way for Mm -hmm. some sort of experience. And I think that's really kind of fascinating with the way that you work.
1: Yeah. And there's like, there's always like not a sex structure, like the process is always fluid and like um, intuitive to, um, and that's like part of like how like it was built from the beginning, because like to allow for that. so so yeah, ritual is definitely a big part of the Florential practice. And of my practice too, there's always like me going and getting the flower petals or like, you know, like creating all that. It's, it's not just like, I don't just like get the photo and then like make this painting like straight right. into the surface. There's always like a big process of distilling and like looking at the correspondence and like sometimes the correspondence like Affects okay. the composition. That's
0: fascinating. That's really fascinating to me. Now, um, in talking about Florentio, I mean, that's a collaboration that you have with this being that sort of exists inside and, and outside yourself at once. But when you, I'm also interested in like your collaborations with your mother, or also another one that I, that I looked at that I was really kind of fascinated by because I also really like their work, but with uh, Fire Tools. So uh, yes. with Matt Morris. So how does that collaboration happen? I mean, you're, you mentioned earlier that you're sort of the intermediary by which, or through whom Florencio mm-hmm. starts these collaborations in the most part. How does collaboration yeah. fit into your practice or in like how you conceive your practice?
1: Like my role is like an envoy or facilitator and like, sh- or like channel Florencio. So um, for example, when I reached out to Fire Tools, um, I had just done the show at, uh, at Heaven Gallery. So um, Florence, you wanted me to propose to Fire Tools. So I like, it's my job to like reach out and like create the language for it to like to facilitate it. So I was like, how do I reach out to someone I don't know uh, and tell them to make this sound piece about this uh, being that's multidimensional. But then like, of course, like, if, when I think about it, I'm like, so I like that really hard. And then I'm like, fire tools. <laughs> and like, he was like, clicked. So then uh, Florencio made me send the proposal, not an email form, but um, I designed a website nice. where, like, really, like, where I grow fire tools using like, a fire font, like a flaming fire font. So I like did that. And like, it had like this beanie and ogre emoji in there. And like, I explain what was Florencio as a framework and and what the um, collaboration or like commissions some, or sometimes it's kind of tricky because it's like, um, I'm asking someone to do something. So I'd like create this uh, correspondence and I can provide prompts and like to write prompts perhaps like, you know, I'll like wear the perfume and like channel Florencio to write the prompts or Drink a coffee, a, a pumpkin spice latte. Um, so I created this website to propose to Fire Tools if, uh, if she could collaborate. Um, and then that's like the beginning. So for that piece, um, I provided a score. Um, and like the, so after Florence, you playing the piano, Florence, you had the desire to occupy space. Uh, so that was the prompt of, uh, of the sound piece, uh, of thinking of Florencio moving around this room, like moving some furniture, trying to compose something, um, like grabbing sheets of paper and like, just like. So I wrote the score and provided it to Fire Tools, and they had full creative liberty to interpret it or to completely disregard it. Um, The only structural uh, element or requirement was that the sound piece had to be six minutes and 66 seconds, so that was like the only requirement. Um, And like through correspondence, like, you know, uh, I got like a couple drafts of the sound piece and uh, something that What's funny about that one was she said that she never uses the scores to compose any music. And that for this piece, uh, she actually just followed, like followed the score, like to the dot almost. And then, so then I like listened to the piece again and like re- like looking at the score and then I'm like, you can kind of like see, see it happen. Uh, and like the funny thing about it too is that she often uses like, just like the just like regular uh, microphone that is like not high production and like running it on like under the sheets like under the sheets or like kind of creating sounds like that. So I thought it was really cool how Florencio became like occupy room through this like manipulation of like everyday sounds that fire tools like did for to create the recording. Um, So yeah, uh, so, and then I realized too, like I'm like Fire Tools also is non-local forecast and also like uh, angel wing marmalade. And I was like, so it just like kind of like made sense to work with um, Fire Tools.
0: I love that, that's great.
1: (laughs) So, so yeah, so that, so that was the prompt. And then for the performance, uh, we turned off the lights in the gallery and me the gallery director event just had our speakers blasting the sound piece and we moved around the space um and there was also the perfume was activated as well
0: i love that i love that um florencio keeps sort of like directing it it feels like such a great collaborator to have um
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> are there things yeah it's so it's just that you do to sort of like feed florencio or like thank them or um or sort of include them in your, li- in, in your life outside of uh, just the creative practice? Um,
1: hmm. Good question. Um, I mean, one thing I'll say is like, if, if a Florencio piece is sold, uh, that usually goes back to support that practice. It's like, it usually involves like, like me reaching out to people and like offering like monetary uh, exchange or uh, like, or artwork exchange. So that's like something that that happens as far as the exchange. So it's me kind of supporting that practice and hopefully it like becomes, it's become kind of like self-supportive now, which is kind of cool.
0: <laughs> nice. In reading about your practice that there's two other persona that you sometimes use. There's Waz and then there's also like a, just the smiley face symbol. Um, yeah. Do you consider them separate from Florencio? What is their relationship to Florencio?
1: So was was like, was was what was before Florencio was. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that- the that got stage. So like, before before Florencio became like a signature and like a more active space in the gallery, um, it was variations on, on words that about past tense. So that, that's, that was why I'm like, yeah, so, so uh, the smiley face is also one of them and the, um, the emoji, ogre emoji is another. Um, so when, whenever you see those, um, not more the was, but like um, that's like kind of like usually hinting that Florencio is activated there or like part of their, the equation. And it's always like an organic practice too, like, like, you know, like I'll get a proposal to participate in something like then sometimes like Florence just picks it up and like engages within that framework or, or sometimes they become like really long collaborations. Like me and my mom has been like three years now. So that's always nice to keep different form of engagement with others and like co-creating this language as opposed to like being too insular like just like you know in your studio and like
0: yeah that's great now um this has been such a great chat there's a couple of final questions because i want to sort of like wrap things up uh, soon and, and and you know respect your time but mm-hmm. what is some advice that you got when you were much younger or advice that you wish you
1: could give yourself when you were much younger uh first thing that came to mind was just like just do it perfect that's great <laughs> <And> <laughs> don't advice. ever think it yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's always
0: good even, yeah, that's that's come up before, but that's such an important thing, you know, we sort of get in our way so often.
1: Um, yeah, it's like, you really, put your that... own blocks, like, you're like, I really want to do this, but like, and then you're like, but just do it, just failing is cool. Yeah, who is in your personal canon? Um, so in other
0: words, like, what are mm-hmm. artists that, you know, whenever you feel stuck, or you want to work through an idea, or you just sort of, like, start daydreaming, what, what names come up for you or what names sort of like
1: were sort of formative for you? Um, I've been like trying to figure that out lately. It's actually often um, literature.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like um, uh, Humberto Eco yeah. is
1: like an important one and then the losing Guattari. Yeah, Umberto Humberto Eco, recently I realized that I just got this book. Um,
0: Arrabal, um, Arrabal,
1: yeah. Um, and when I read this, this kind of, like, helped build the framework of uh, Florencio, like, the dialogues, because this book is the person, the main character from early childhood, uh, has two imaginary friends, Infinity and Zero, and like, it's constantly processing through that framework. So, so yeah, it's often, like, literature, let's say, Araval. Um, I don't really have like a big list It's like i would say some so when i was like first starting in art i was kind of influenced by surrealism and, and like i guess this is like how like this still it got so it was like you know salvador dali was cool but um then moved into Aramal. literature <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through, but yeah salvador dali led to arabal eventually
0: I mean poetry too, obviously. What are some poets
1: that you yeah. really gravitate towards? Um, I the earlier self, like when I first moved here, I was really into Pablo Neruda, and that actually that's when I was um, when I was learning English, and I had a Pablo Neruda. I still have it, and it's like translated and like in Spanish. So I was learning language true poetry which is not necessarily the best way to do it but like maybe that's like what influenced a lot of how I think now
0: yeah because doing that I mean really opens up like these sort of like gaps between like what's on the page
1: and what's actually meant I remember there was this one one of my favorite poems uh which is a funny thing because the name the title of the poem is in English uh walking around um by Neruda and on the book that I have Uh, there's a line where it's like something about going down the street like naked with a knife screaming or something and then the translation is like going down the street naked with a sexy knife and I'm like how did the green knife become a sexy knife I was just like so I actually I almost went into translation that that was always been like something I've been interested in. Um, But I never learned grammar in Spanish and never really did it in English either. So that's why I'm a painter.
0: Well, that's good because I'm someone
1: that like wanted to write, but like can only do it through painting and movement and performance and poetry.
0: (laughs) Now, a couple of other questions I'm asking everybody is um, there's two more. one of them is that this year has been garbage. This year has been so difficult and there's been so many challenges that we've all sort of faced and it's been such a complicated sort of like change in how we experience life. Um, Mm -hmm. So my question is how has this year, whether it be like, you know, the COVID pandemic or or like, you know, um, the sort of the, um, the necessary sort of eruption of like, a a, a, like a consciousness in regards to race and the way that we treat other people how it does has that changed how you make work or how you think about art
1: um it's a tricky question to answer because yeah. like as far as like how it like changed the way i make art it like just before the pandemic hit, i was gearing up to do a solo exhibition at for achika artist coalition so like um so then that was postponed um so but yeah I remember like as soon as it hit like within a week within a week I was I didn't have a job uh I was the bartender uh and then this upcoming exhibition like I'm like oh that's postponed now too so it just kind of made me reconsider uh one like to get something uh, more sustainable income. <laughs> uh even though like bartending isn't great because like it allows me to have a studio practice and like yeah um uh, it's a job that i don't carry home with me um but so yeah so all of a sudden i was just like huh i i should like figure out a different way or sustain to sustain myself but also it made me think of um how did I want to engage with the art world or like I just went into like a for like the first couple months I didn't really make work and I was just kind of like thinking about um yeah I just kind of like went into an introspective space and like thought of like my engagement with the arts and how what experiences like I took away with it that I like Built where worth still pursuing, um, uh, as far as like the engagement that I wanted to to have. Um, so, so yeah. So I'm still processing that. Um, that's something that changed is um, my. I enrolled in a poetry workshop and I've been working more in writing, and that since that's kind of still. Pro, like in the process. Um, I don't know if I can fully formulate now of like how that's changing, but it definitely changed my practice in the way that I'm thinking of different ways to interact with an audience or with the public and engage with it. So um, so I've been trying to do more writing and also through something that I was also gonna do for the for the exhibition anyways, To produce a book um, through Florencio, facilitating a book for Florencio um, for the exhibition, uh, which is what I've been doing for the most part this year. So it's been like, it was a funny switch for me. It it became like a slower process. And now I'm like exploring the the medium of book and uh, writing poetry and then the, Florencia book is someone else wrote it. Um, um, so so yeah, um, still processing it.
0: yeah, it's fucking <laughs> it's still tough. happening. It's tough.
1: We're it's still in lot. the middle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's been the like, the main shifts in my practice is like thinking of how to um, interact with others, especially like now, so that's why I' like books and like writing, that can be shared. you know you don't have to be to go to a gallery. Um, and yeah, I'm like just thinking of like the engagement of, like, that I want to have with people once things become normal or like, what do I need to develop now? So still yeah. in the process, but more performance, more writing, um, less painting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then to end it on a high note, uh, final question. What are you really excited for in 2021?
1: I hadn't really thought about the year as a whole um but I'm really excited about 2021 um because uh, at the end of the month in January um uh, the Chicago Discollision exhibition will happen yes that's something that I've been like working I've been working this whole time on it and like um so I'm really happy where it's at and like ready to share that and I feel like around there too, like I'll be publishing this book that kind of, part of the exhibition. Uh, it's a eight temporal Exhibition Catalog. Nice. Um, so, so I'm really excited for that and beginning the year with that exhibition and uh, then uh, continue exploring through through the rest. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've been like holding this body of work. Yeah, it, <laughs> you just, need to like, get out. Yeah, and like once that happens, it's just going to be like this uh, explosion. And Alejandro,
0: where can people find you online? Or where can they learn more about you online?
1: Um, I always forget my website.
0: <laughs> <It's>, uh,
1: <laughs> my website is Alejandro J. Flores. Yeah, AlejandroJFlores.com. Um And then um, my Instagram handle is Flores underscore studio. It might be underscore or dot.
0: Yeah, we can find it. Ask Google. Mm-hmm. This was such a great chat. Thank you so much for getting on uh, Zoom with me to talk about your practice. Uh, this was such a cool conversation. And also thanks to Florencio. I, th- you know, I mean, yeah. he was in here part, you know, in and out with Ascent. Um, so shout out to, to them too. And that is our interview with Alejandro Jimenez Flores, episode seven of season two. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Before we leave, some thanks to Natalie Murillo, La Spacer, for our team music. Go check her out at com. Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations, was produced, recorded, researched, and edited by me, Ivan Lozano, in Chicago, Illinois. Check out my work at ivanlozano.net or ivanlozano Studio on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time.